Hello and welcome along to this La Liga Lowdown podcast. I'm your host, Jim McTeer, and in this podcast, we're going to be discussing one of the all-time great and historic Spanish sides, Real Zaragoza. Real Zaragoza has not been in Spain's top division since suffering relegation at the end of the 2012-13 season, but they are a really huge club. Based of course in Zaragoza, the fifth most populous city in Spain. They've won six Copa del Rey titles, the sixth most of all clubs. So in this podcast, we're going to be looking at this wounded giant, explaining exactly how good they were, how far they've fallen, and how the future looks. To get this story up and running, Here's Matt Clark to take us through the origins of the club. Real Zaragoza were formed in March 1932 when two of the city's clubs, Iberia Sport Club and Zaragoza Club Deportivo, merged together. These clubs were nicknamed Wasps and Tomatoes respectively because of the colours of their jerseys. Following the merge, the new Zaragoza maintained the spirit of these clubs and according to the club's website, the blue and white colours of their shirt serve as a symbol of Aragon. One of Spain's largest cities now had one major football club. Zaragoza reached the top table in Spain by winning promotion at the end of the 1935-36 season, but the Spanish Civil War halted their rise by forcing a suspension for three years. They finally played their first La Liga match at the start of 39-40. They won 3-2 against Celta Vigo at El Torero, their ground before the construction of La Romareda. After some ups and downs, Zaragoza became an established top-flight side by the late 1950s, and the 1960s saw a really successful decade for the club, with strong league performances and cup success. While they had never won the Spanish First Division, their relationship with cups, and in particular the Copa del Rey, has been more fruitful. Their first Copa final in 1963 was an imposing one against Barcelona at Camp Nou. Their inexperience told, as they were 2-0 down inside 20 minutes and eventually lost 3-1. Their first honours came in 1964 in the Intercities Fairs Cup. After getting past Juventus in the quarter-finals, they needed a third leg to overcome Belgian side Liegeois. The final was an all-Spanish single-match affair against defending champions Valencia at Camp Nou. After an even first half, Marcelino's strike midway through the second half sealed the 2-1 victory. Their first title was in the bag. Being held at Camp Nou was coincidental because just four days after the Fairs Cup final, Barcelona came to La Romareda for the second leg of the Copa semi-final. The Catalan side had a 3-2 advantage, but Santiago Isasi quickly levelled the tie after a quarter of an hour. The sides couldn't be separated for the rest of the game until the very last moments, when Isasi scored again to seal a dramatic 4-3 aggregate victory. A week later, Santiago Bernabeu was the host for the showpiece final, with Atletico Madrid looking to win in the home of their city rivals. Zaragoza were the party poopers and were tuning it up by half-time. Atleti pulled one back in the second half to set up a tense finish, but the Aragon side held on to win their first Copa and their second trophy of the season. This remains the greatest season in their history in terms of trophies won. Winning the domestic cup earned them a place in European football in the Cup Winners' Cup, and Zaragoza performed well on debut. They made it all the way to the 1965 semi-finals before losing on aggregate to the iconic West Ham United. Zaragoza also nearly retained their copper. 
after beating Barcelona again 7-4 over two legs in the quarters and thrashing Athletic Club 7-2 in the semis, they met Atleti in a repeat of the previous year's final. Unfortunately, this time the Madrid side reversed the result and they triumphed. A year later, Zaragoza nearly repeated the Copa and Fairs Cup double. The league season finished in April 1966, but Zaragoza played a staggering 15 cup matches after that. And we think the calendar nowadays is clogged. Zaragoza navigated these knockout rounds with relative ease, albeit needing a third leg to get past Leeds in the Fairs Cup. Back in the Copa, Barcelona were once again their semi-final opponents in a real deja vu moment. After a draw at Camp Nou, Zaragoza were confident and sure enough, a solitary goal was enough to progress to their fourth consecutive Copa final. They met Athletic Club this time, another one of the heavyweights of Spanish football in this era. But the backside had no answers to Zaragoza, who won 2-0. Their luck did eventually run out in the Fairs Cup final, however. It took place in September 1966, overlapping the beginning of the subsequent season. Despite winning 1-0 at Camp Nou, the Catalan side enacted some revenge and won 4-2 at La Romareda. Despite the disappointment of losing, Zaragoza had won three major trophies in as many years. It would be a long time before they tasted further silverware. 1986 finally delivered Copa number 3, 20 years after their last success. They had to beat Real Madrid in the semi-finals this time, before facing Barcelona once again in the final. The Catalans lineup included Bern Schuster and Zaragoza-born Victor Munoz. The hero from the semis, Ruben Sosa, was also the star of the final, scoring the only goal at Vicente Calderón, as Los Manos tasted cup success for the third time. It was only seven years before they reached another final, in 1993, but Real Madrid beat them 2-0 at Mestalla. Zaragoza were now under the stewardship of hometown hero Victor Fernández, who is the present-day coach, and they quickly put this loss behind them, winning the Copa again in 1994. Celta Vigo were the unlikely opponents in the final, held at Vicente Calderón. Zaragoza fans were optimistic given the opposition and the omens. All of their Copa triumphs had come in Madrid, the first two at Santiago Bernabeu and the previous one also at the Calderón. Being honest, it wasn't a classic. After a goalless 90 minutes, Santiago Aragón was sent off for a second yellow card and Zaragoza fans must have feared the worst. Tiring, down to 10 men, and even if they did make it to penalties, one of their best takers was now gone. They did make it to penalties, and after four perfect penalties each, it went right to the wire. Celta's fifth taker, Alejo Indias, missed. Zaragoza's Francisco Higuera dispatched his, and Zaragoza won. Celta's despair was Zaragoza's joy, as they claimed their fourth Copa title. Little did they know, just 12 months later, they would be celebrating an even bigger prize, as they made history in the 1994-95 Cup Winners' Cup. That's exactly right. Perhaps the biggest moment in Real Zaragoza's history came in 1994-95. It was then that they tasted glory on the continent. It's quite a story, and here's Dan Parry to tell it. Going into the 94-95 season, there was a lot of optimism. Of course, they'd won the Copa del Rey the season before. Zaragoza, Real Zaragoza had finished third in the league. They'd qualified for the European Cup Winners' Cup. Apart from that, they'd finished some reforms to the stadium, to uh, La Romareda. So yeah, there was a lot of hope and probably a little bit of expectancy. Uh, but to be honest, the, the season in terms of La Liga didn't go quite as well as they had hoped. They finished seventh in the league, although they were hovering around uh, the top three until about the end of January. They finished seventh. 
even though as well there, there wasn't too much difference there was only three points difference between uh them and the th- uh, fourth place but yeah but this season everything in this season really revolves around the european cup winners cup for for real Zaragoza. so the tournament began with a 2-1 away defeat actually to romanian side gloria bistrita but they went on to win the second leg 4-0 in the next round they took on uh slovakian slide tatram presov uh, which they won 6-1 in aggregate. But the first major challenge came in the quarterfinals where they had to overcome a 1-0 defeat in Rotterdam to Feyenoord uh, by winning 2-0 in La Romareda. And then they went on to the semifinals uh, where they played Chelsea. And they would have thought that they had run away with the, with the tie after the first leg because they beat Chelsea 3-0 at home. But Chelsea managed to give them a bit of a scare and uh, it took a 3-1 defeat to see them go through to the final. Really, a goal by Santiago Aragon uh, putting them into the final. They reckon that up to 20,000 fans actually travelled to Paris for the final, where they took on reigning champions Arsenal. As well, I think this final was important not just for Real Zaragoza because it was the first time they'd played in a European final since the 60s, but also for... Um, this new style of Spanish football that was based around technical ability and possession. Actually, the captain of Zaragoza at that time, Miguel Pardeza, in an interview said that it was one of the first times that uh, this kind of Spanish possession technical style went up against this Northern European counter-attacking physical style on, on a, in a major final. And apart from perhaps Johan Cruyff's side, uh, from 92 it was one of the first times that this style won against a northern european style so not just important for real Zaragoza, but in uh, in wider scale and wider terms it was also important for the development of spanish football um, both sides had chances early on in the game but they didn't really come alive until the 68th minute when juan snyder scored an absolutely beautiful goal the kind of goal that you could just watch again and again and again but about 10 minutes later, John Hartson got an equaliser and then the match went into extra time. Everyone there, everyone was expecting the match to go into penalties. But former Tottenham player, Naeem, had different ideas and he scored one of the most insane, memorable, remarkable goals in the history of football. We're not just talking about in the history of Thalagotha, in the history of European football, but like I said, probably in the history of football itself. So he managed to lob David Seaman from about 40 yards with a strike from, yeah, about 40 yards out just by the right flank. No, llegó Poyet, Linigan, el balón para Najin, y Najin lo que ha intentado es Martín a Seaman, gol, gol de Najin, gol de Najin, gol de Najin, en el minuto 14 y 50 segundos, el gol de Najin, todos al campo, Víctor Fernández, todos los hombres del banquillo, impresionante, el Zaragoza ha marcado el gol en el último instante. David Seaman called it the worst moment of his career. And the most amazing thing about this goal is that it wasn't a fluke. It seems very much like he just hit it off the cuff and was hoping it would go in, but it was not a fluke. Uh, Naeem, as I said, was a Tottenham player. He'd spent a few seasons watching Arsenal. He knew very well the style of this Arsenal team. He knew that their defence played with a really high defensive line 
and that David Seaman would take positions quite high up in his area in order to sweep up through balls. And he had told his teammates to look out for this, and they had been trying to lob David Seaman throughout the game. But it was Naeem in the 119th minute who actually managed to pull off, giving Real Zaragoza a 2-1 victory. And Naeem actually was kept behind after the game for anti-doping tests. And when he got out of the stadium, there were no taxis, so he couldn't go back to the restaurant where the team was celebrating. So in order to get back, he managed to find a bus, and he found a bus full of Real Zaragoza fans who were sleeping. And apparently when he got on, one of them woke up, saw him, and the whole entire bus just went absolutely mental and started celebrating with him. What does this victory mean for Real Zaragoza, for Zaragoza the city, for the province of Aragon? Well, it's everything. It's massive. Uh, it is arguably the most important sporting moment in the history of the province. Zaragoza is a massive city. It's actually the fifth biggest city in Spain. And perhaps historically, in terms of sporting achievements, they've underachieved especially in terms of football, underachieved compared to cities of similar sizes. If you think of Valencia, for example, or maybe even uh, Seville, that, that kind of stature of city, they have huge football clubs that have won a lot in Europe and domestically. Whilst I was reading for this as well, obviously we're coming up to the 25th anniversary of the final, and I found a petition on change.org. It didn't have many signatures, but there was a petition with Real Zaragoza fans asking for a statue of Naeem to be built outside the stadium. And I think that says a lot about just how important that moment and this victory was for Real Zaragoza fans. Yes, Naeem really is a legend in Zaragoza for that goal. I love the story about him getting on the bus with the fans afterwards. That's truly incredible stuff. Here's a short clip now of Naeem himself speaking about that night even further. Uh, the, the, the highest thing in, in, in my career is uh, scoring the last second of the extra time uh, uh, a, a winner against against very good team, Arsenal. They were, you know, David Seaman, Lee Dixon, Paul Merson, Ian Wright, very good player, very good team. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough in the in the last second to, you know, to see David Seaman off, off the goal and try and try and try to, to score. You need you need uh, uh, to to hit the ball well, but uh, you need to the goalkeeper to to make a mistake. So that was the highlight moment for Real Zaragoza, the European Cup Winners' Cup, which takes pride of place in their trophy cabinet. But they'd go on to add another couple of coppers as well. We'll hear all about that after this short break. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello and welcome back to this podcast on the Real Zaragoza story. We heard in part one about the first years of the club's existence and their first successes up to the 1994-95 European Cup Winners' Cup. Now, let's move the story into the 21st century and do so with Roman de Arcaire. Thanks to the win in the UEFA Cup Winners' Cup the previous season, Zaragoza were set to play the European Super Cup against Ajax, team that had won the Champions League the previous season. This has been the first and only time Zaragoza have had a chance at this title. But after a fantastic season, previously explained by Dan, things began to get worse for the team managed by Victor Fernández. In his fourth year as a manager, he wasn't capable of maintaining the same level shown in the previous season. Before the Super Cup, Zaragoza were 12th in the standings and had just won 4-1 against Valencia, but had seen six games without a win prior to that. But despite not being in great form, the first leg against a very strong Ajax team ended 1-0. Xavi Aguado got an early goal in the 28th minute, but Kluivert managed to equalise in the second half. The second leg was a completely different story. Ajax were all over Zaragoza and after 54 minutes they went 2-0 up. And it got even worse when Andoni Cedrun got sent off in the 64th minute. And the same thing happened to Oscar Celada four minutes later. Both red cards resulted in penalties and Ajax comfortably ended the match with a 4-0 win. From there on Zaragoza would only achieve three wins in the following 16 games. Victor Fernández would stay on as a coach the following 1996-1997 season, but would only last until match day 11 before getting sacked with only one win. A few years later, Zaragoza would manage to bounce back. In the 98-99 season, they finished 9th in the league after three years finishing in the bottom half of the standings. And then in the 99-2000 season, they achieved a fantastic 4th position which allowed them to play in the UEFA Cup the year after but they wouldn't get a chance to shine again in Europe after being eliminated in the first round to Wisla Krakow. They managed a win 4-1 at home in the first leg, but their Polish team got back at them, also winning 4-1, ending the tie in a 5-5 aggregate. It then went to penalties, but the Spanish side wasn't having a good day. In the league, things went as bad, finishing in the 17th position, one point away from relegation, but at the same time, they achieved their fifth Copa del Rey that same year. On their way to that title, they knocked out Eibar, another Basque team called Beasain, followed by Murcia, Racing de Santander and Atlético de Madrid in the semi-final, to then face Celta de Vigo at the end of the path in La Cartuja. And to get reacquainted with a very familiar face, Víctor Fernández, who was coaching Los Celestes at the time. 
It only took Celta de Vigo 5 minutes to lead, thanks to goal from their captain Mostoboy. But Zaragoza's hard work and persistence allowed them to overturn the result with goals from Aguado, Jameli and Jordi, who finished off Celta with a late goal in the 94th minute to close the 3-1 win for Los Maños. The following year would be catastrophic for Zaragoza, breaking a great run of 24 consecutive seasons in the top division of Spain. Thanks to their Copa del Rey win, they had qualified for the UEFA Cup again, but with no luck, being eliminated in the second round. The same bad luck would reflect in the Spanish league, where they finished in the last position of the standings with 37 points, 5 points away from salvation. But fortunately, they would bounce back quickly from Segunda, finishing second and being directly promoted, as there were no playoffs at the time. They would also bring that momentum into the Spanish top tier, by completing an extremely good season, finishing 12th in the league and winning their second Copa del Rey in a space of 4 years. This time they defeated Mirandés, Salamanca, Betis, Barcelona, Alaves and Real Madrid in the final. Los Galácticos were brought down by a humble team that had just been promoted that season, and Zaragoza got their revenge after losing the Supercopa de España to Los Blancos two years earlier. David Beckham put Madrid ahead with a marvellous free-kick goal, but Zaragoza managed to finish the first half with a favourable 2-1 result thanks to Dani and David Villa. Roberto Carlos would then equalise the game right after the second half began, also with an incredible free-kick goal from extremely far. And things would get very complicated for Zaragoza after Cani sending off in the 66th minute. But Los Maños would resist the pressure and force extra time, where they managed to get the winner thanks to Galetti's goal in the 110th minute. An incredible strike from outside the box that seemed to be going out, but then curled in past Cesar Sanchez, who could do nothing about it. Aguanta Movilla, Movilla, balón para Galetti, chuta Galetti, gol! Se la comió, se la comió, se la comió. Ahí está la final. A sixth Copa del Rey to add among their titles, which also meant playing the Supercopa de España final against Valencia and the UEFA Cup the following season. As a matter of fact, in the 2004-2005 season, it was very positive overall, with another 12th position in Primera División and a decent run in the UEFA Cup, which introduced group stages for the first time. They finished second in the group of 5, eliminated Fenerbahce in the round of 32, but then lost in the round of 16. Whereas in the Supercopa de España they got the same result they managed against Madrid, a 3-2 win, although this time it was after two legs. And despite losing first at home by 1-0, they conquered Mestalla with an excellent 3-1 victory over Claudio Ranieri's men and that would be their last title up until today. So we've heard now all about Real Zaragoza's successes over the years but now it's time to find out about how they ended up in their current predicament where they've not been in Spain's top division since 2013. To tell the story of the club's fall here's Paco Pollitt. A turning point in Real Zaragoza's deep, rich history has to be May 25th, 2006. That day, Alfonso Solans announced he had sold around 80% of the shares of the club to a business venture named Codesport, whose top executive was Agapito Iglesias, a 42-year-old businessman with deep ties to the city. The power shift meant that the family who had managed Real Zaragoza since 1992 said goodbye after 24 years at the helm, and a new and hopefully better period was beginning for the club. Iglesias, however, wouldn't be the 
president right off the bat. The man he picked to be in charge was Eduardo Vandres, former economy advisor for the Aragon government. Financial investment and ambitious projects were to be two crucial traits. In fact, it was promised that a new stadium would be built and also a big splash on the market would be made with a star signing that summer. Only one of these two would eventually be true. Legendary coach Victor Fernandez was finally back on the bench nine years later and indeed Valencia's midfielder and world-class player Pablo Cesar Aymar was signed for 11 million euros. Add the loan of Andres D'Alessandro, the presence of brothers Gabi and Diego Milito, a young centre-back loaned from Manchester United named Gerard Piquet, veteran keeper Cesar Sanchez and another reliable forward like Sergio Garcia and Zaragoza were good to go. They would enjoy a great season with two big celebrations. The first one, their 75th anniversary in March 2007 and the second one after securing the sixth spot at the end of the year, which allowed them to play European competitions. Things went south very quickly from that point onward, even after their biggest spending summer ever and signing Fabian Ayala, Ricardo Oliveira or Matuzalem, the 2007-2008 season was an awful showcase of football and the team slowly but steadily plunged until they got relegated once again to second division. After six years in top flight, Zaragoza were down again. The day after getting relegated, sports director and club legend Miguel Pardeza resigned from his position. In summer 2008, Zaragoza signed coach Marcelino García Toral after successful stints in both Recreativo Huelva and Racing de Santander. Bringing him in was very expensive, but it ultimately paid off. Zaragoza had to wait till the end of the competition, but promoted to La Liga once again in June 2009, only 13 months after going down. But again, patience wasn't the biggest strength of Agapito, who didn't even flinch after a bad run of games and sacked Marcelino in December 2009. That year provided plenty of drama. Bandres resigned from his position and owner Iglesias then became president two days later. Jose Aurelio Gai was appointed as the manager and legend Najim, the player who scored that epic goal against David Seaman back in 1995, would be his assistant coach. In January, the club signed seven players and they were able to overcome the agony and be clear from danger in the second-to-last game in Jerez. It was summer 2010 and the club was owing over 100 million euros to creditors. After only 11 fixtures, Jose Aurelio Gai and Najim were both sacked and Mexican coach Javier Aguirre was brought in. His motivation, hot temper and method were able to infuse new energies to the team, who were able to slowly pick up the pace and get to match day 38 with chances to remain. That crucial game was played on Saturday, May 21st, 2011 in Estadio Ciudad de Valencia, with 11,000 Zaragoza fans traveling to Levante's ground. Yes, the game, which would spark controversy and rumors of being fixed many years later. Zaragoza won that game 2-1 and avoided relegation once again. The next season would be a carbon copy but with different names. Aguirre was sacked before Christmas and in came Manolo Jimenez who succeeded in saving the team in the last game. This time with an epic 2-0 win in Coliseum Alfonso Pérez against Getafe. But, you know, toying with danger so often can be never good news. Finally, the 2012-2013 season was the last one to date with Zaragoza playing in the top division in our country. While the team agonized on top of the pitch, the fans were fed up of Agapito Iglesias and his decision-making. A big demonstration took place in January 2012 with 15,000 in attendance protesting against his management. After a run of 15 games without winning and La Romareda looking emptier and angrier every single game, 34 points that season sealed the deal. Zaragoza would once again be a second division side. Since 2013, 
2013 to this day, Zaragoza haven't been able to climb back to Primera. Pressure from the fan base kept piling upon Agapito Iglesias, who finally gave the fans in 2014 something to be happy about after selling his 72% of the shares to Fundación Zaragoza 2032 and effectively removing himself from the club. It's been almost six years of permanent trial and error of a club being used to fight for ambitious goals, being forced to take part in the proverbial scrap in Segunda, a place where quality is much less relevant than effort, defending and physical teams. Economic problems prevented Zaragoza from making big signings and the only few times where promotion seemed a possibility, it happened because the manager and players at that time were doing an excellent job, but eventually fell short of their goal. They also fiddled with disaster in 2017 and in 2019, ending 16th and 15th in the table. A relegation to Segunda B would have been the worst possible fate for such an historic club, who dreams of turning things around in the near future and setting foot in La Liga once again. Yep, the dream at Real Zaragoza is, of course, to return to La Liga, and I think most Spanish football fans would welcome the club back. This is a historic club, a well-respected club, and it would be good fun to have them back on the La Liga fixture list. We even caught a glimpse of what that could be like when they hosted Real Madrid in the 2019-20 Copa del Rey, which was a huge occasion in the city and for the tournament as a whole. And it could become a reality to see Real Zaragoza back in the top flight. Football has of course been halted due to the coronavirus crisis, but Real Zaragoza were on course for a promotion before the pause. As things stand with the second division table frozen, Real Zaragoza are in an automatic promotion spot in second place, one point behind leaders Cadiz and five points ahead of third-placed Almeria. They're doing great, led by the next Luis Suarez. Literally, the Colombian striker Luis Suarez and his 17 league goals this season have put the team in a great position. So let's see if they can come back up when football resumes. For now, my thanks go out to all the contributors to this podcast. That's Matt Clark, Dan Parry, Roman de Arker, and Paco Pollitt. I've been your host, Drew McTeer. Thanks a lot for listening, and take care. Until next time. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.